1: Stumbled onto something great at my local neighborhood beverage store yesterday. What's that? Lioness eighteen eighty eight Bach beer. Their spring, one of their. I think seasons. I've seen
2: that a little here. I might have yeah. some of that. I'm not sure.
1: What's it like? Uh, it's 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 good. It's a little lighter than most of the other Lioness that I've been fond of, but it's not real sweet. It's got a a nice uh, hoppy taste to it, but it's it's lighter in color and lighter on the pallet. I see.
0: Okay. Well, I'm glad you're well supplied <laughs> a, there, David. David, a I'm
2: not really sure I yeah. want.
0: I know. Really? <laughs> um, did you see this airplane? This is like, I've seen some oddly painted airplanes yeah. in my time.
2: It's Kawasaki green, man.
0: Is that what it is? I never thought of Kawasaki, it that way. Kaw- yeah. Kawasaki Yeah. That's, That's what, what it is. Green. That's the base color. This is... Yeah. Uh, uh, I, I want to see that. it do a wheelie. What is this? Is this a 737? I'm terrible at it's a, it's a 737. 737 from, what is it, Kal- Kalula. Kalula, right. In South Africa. And, uh, and it's it's largely Kawasaki Green, but it's actually annotated. Right? There's all sorts of, of labels all over the airplane. Uh, this is the nose cone, and this is where the co-captain sits. And and uh, uh, Yeah, they're calling the call livery, Flying 101, and uh-huh. that's what it says on the forward, the
1: fuselage ahead of the wing has fl- Flying 101 painted in big white lettering. And then the rest of the airplane is illustrated in all the components. Engine
0: number one, wing one. Uh, you know, cock- I haven't been flying all that long. I haven't been flying all that many years, but I have found in general that placards are more useful when they're inside the airplane. Uh, and that's like... <laughs> <laughs> hang on, hang on, sir. i got to go look out the window. I, it's like I don't know. It's it's yeah, a cool, but it's thing. not
1: for it's not for the people that bought the tickets. They they don't need to be sold. They've already put their money up.
0: Well, what's it? Oh, I know what it's for.
1: I'm just this is for the rescue crew.
0: Oh, is that what it is? Okay. Yeah. yeah cut yeah. here. Right. Yeah. Exactly.
2: They've got it, they got it, you know the black boxes labeled and you know the the front door is labeled the black like boxes that.
1: that are actually bright orange. Uh, I always right. thought that was right. fun. The black boxes, uh, why don't they make the whole airplane out of the same stuff? Because the black
0: box always survives. Cargo door, wing number two. (laughs) So I'm guessing the other (laughs) one's labeled wing number one. Uh, Let's see now. What does that say? It says uh, uh, something ducts. Air. I can't quite make it out. It's kind of at a funny angle here. On the top, just over the wing, on the top of the fuselage, about uh, at the wing here. Let's see. Well, let's see if
1: we blow that up. Which which image?
0: There's the the like image that. from the front quarter quarter. The one that's sort of from in front, sort of.
1: Mm-hmm. I love the
0: label. on right. the captain's side. The big cheese. <laughs> Is that what it says? I mean, I'm looking at that one now. Jump seat, galley, avionics,
2: air con for like air conditioning.
0: Is that where the avionics are? Really, that's interesting. Yeah, the avionics bay. It shows the avionics as being sort of under the seventh row of seats or so, fourth, fifth Mm -hmm. row of seats, something like that. That's kind of interesting. Engine number one, wing number one, 28,000 pounds. uh, Throne zone, what the heck is that? The emergency The the The, the emergency exit row seats are called throne zones. Okay. Uh, And they've labeled two of the windows just in case. Um, It's kind of interesting. It's pretty. I mean, it's not pretty. It's interesting.
2: (laughs) They painted the, the, I don't know what you call, you call them, wheel covers on a car. Those the same color, and that mm-hmm. that's where I draw the line.
1: Yeah.
0: Now, Jeb, you had your, they use they call it a loo. <laughs> well, it's South Africa, yeah. Jeb, right. you uh, had occasion to have your airplane refinished um, a few years back because of the yeah. hail thing. D- uh-huh. Did you? And you must have had it repainted at that time, right?
2: Well, I, it was it was less than a year out of a, a twelve thousand dollar paint job when it got some hail damage.
0: Okay. Well in then in either two either of those two paint jobs, did you kind of go the whole uh, scheme design thing? Did you decide what you wanted your airplane to look like or did I, you just I did uh, I
2: didn't um I didn't use uh Craig Barnett's service at the right.
0: time. Right. No, I, I, I didn't mean to suggest you did I'm just wondering kind of, how much thought you put into the whole subject of I put a lot of airplane. thought into it. Yeah what, I put a lot what of your, thought into what it. What were the considerations? Um, what were you going for? What was the you know what was your thinking?
2: Something different, first of all. Uh-huh. Um um, at the time, this was really before Craig's thing got going. Um, at the time, there were just a lot of very similar paint jobs out there,
1: mm-hmm.
2: um, and I wanted something that was distinctive. I wanted something that was clean, <clears throat> that was uncluttered, uh, that was mostly white, um, and that you know combined you know several different things. Um, I got what I wanted.
1: Did you use one of these programs with uh, you know, the no. templates for the debonair and no. color counts? and
2: all that? I did find some line drawings, just line drawings, and um, sat down with a pencil and some markers and things like that and started making a bunch of uh, what started out to be very ugly pictures. <laughs> and,
0: uh, yeah, that would be me too, yeah. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah, and and kind of got it to where I wanted it. Um, and, uh, of course, you know, when when you're facing a deadline, the mind tends to focus. Yeah. Uh, you know, I was coming up on the deadline where, you know, dude, you know, either give us a design or, you know, we're going to put the airplane in another hangar and get back to it in a couple of weeks. And I couldn't let that happen. Um, so, uh, you know, made up my mind here, you know, do this. And they like, oh, yeah, we can do that. Cool. And uh, on the tip tanks, I basically said, you know, indulge yourself, whatever you want to do on the tip tanks. Mm-hmm. And keep the rest of it. You know, by this time, I was exhausted from the whole thing. And uh, um, they turned it out just exactly like I wanted it. Same, you know, the correct colors, correct, you know, uh, um, what, whatever lace what and, and this kind of thing. And uh, I'm just, I remain very, very happy
0: with the whole thing. Mm-hmm. It, looks, it certainly looks great. Um, David, did you ever have occasion to paint your airplanes? Uh, we had occasion to touch up paint on uh-huh. our
1: airplanes. What,
0: what would you uh, do to is, your airplane if you had a chance to repaint it? Would you go with a, a stock paint job, or would you do something crazy, or what would you do?
1: Well, we we, we looked at that once, and uh, the uh, the answer was... You know, kind of in, in, into that damnable, well, it depends. Uh, mm-hmm. Depends a little bit on the airplane uh, and what we were going to do to it. For example, if I ever got to redo my dream Comanche, uh, I would probably go with an updated cowl uh, with much more modern and. Lower cooling drag and blah blah blah. Well, if I had that cow, I would probably go for a paint job that was not traditional, not period correct for the airplane, like the paint job that was was on our Comanche uh, was actually period accurate, although the colors had changed a little bit. Uh, so we it, 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 kind of gone back and forth over it, and I've played with some of those uh, low grade, low cost. Uh, software packages Mm -hmm. where you pick from templates three views three view drawings of your particular airframe and uh... and then work with some brushes and palettes to stripe it in pick the body colors panels uh... it's kind of fun but you can go nuts playing with it so i I empathize with jeb on that when we were doing touch-up work which was actually pretty involved we were touching up a considerable portion of the lower fuselage for example uh and uh repainting most of the uh, wings uh they were off for one thing we did a a, a fresh coat on them and, and tried to clean them up uh getting the colors to match was an interesting process
0: yeah i bet yeah and
1: bet. uh you know Something something that could actually work out quite well as long as you remember to start by uh, using some rubbing compound or, or something that will clean the paint that you're trying to match to. Getting it really clean and giving it a good wax job and then using that as your sample chip right? to right. show people that are going to mix the paint for you. Yeah.
0: Last question. So uh, hypothetically, if you were to own a Warbird, what branch of the service would you paint it as?
2: Well, on the Warbird.
0: Yeah. I, Pardon, pin- well, on the warbird. I knew you were going to say that. Come on, work with me here. It's, well, no, uh, I mean, if I had, uh, well, which, if I had what a... What kind of Warbird would you want to own?
2: If I had a P-51, I wouldn't necessarily paint it in Marine Corps blue.
0: Okay. Uh, David?
1: Well, I, you know, my, if I, if I was in that Neverland where I could have any Warbird that I really desired, it would be an F4U Corsair. Yeah, and that
0: would wind up in navy
1: colors. Okay, all right. No, that's a no-brainer.
0: You see a lot of warbirds that are sort of not strictly affiliated with any branch, um, the, the L-birds and the whatever. Yes. So if you had a generic warbird, or if you just had an airplane that you wanted to paint in warbird colors, would, do you have a preference? I do. Well, go for it. No. I'd,
2: you- I'd actually probably, you know, one of the – one of the paint schemes on on a warbird that I really like, um, I think it's it's Soviet block. It's it's a light blue and a and a, and a gray,
0: mm-hmm.
2: um, and it's um, it's almost a computer designed camouflage paint uh, paint scheme, I should say.
0: Uh-huh. Uh huh. You, I, you just I said something. An, that's... I, yeah, go ahead. If
2: I had an airplane on which that would look good, it'd be I'd have it. I'd do it that way in a heartbeat.
0: You just said something that's one of my pet peeves when it comes to uh, airplane and particularly warbird paint schemes, and that is camouflage. I don't think you should make an airplane harder to see in the air, which kind of, <laughs> which, which kind of leads well, me to my paint. My preferred yeah, paint scheme yeah. would be Coast Guard. I've always liked the Coast Guard paint scheme, because, partly because I like the look, but also because it kind of goes for well, visibility. Um, and uh, well, yeah, I get some, of, some
1: of the training squadron paint jobs from World War II. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. even today. But uh, when you think about the the paint schemes that you got on uh, on uh, Navy and Army Air Corps Stearman, uh and T-6 Texans and yeah. uh-huh. PT-23s and all that, uh, there were some pretty bright standout colors there. And for the very reasons you're thinking of, but missing them in the air and not missing them when they got forced down on the ground somewhere.
2: Yeah, yeah. yeah. Cool. Yeah. the, the, the uh, You know, the World War Two era steerman, the classic steerman, you know, the bright yellow paint and red paint. Right, exactly. thing yeah. like that.
0: Yeah, that's good stuff, too.
1: Yeah, that's that, that's the Navy, uh, if I remember right. Uh, the Army, I believe, was blue and yellow, blue fuselage, yellow wings. Yeah.
0: But yeah. Kawasaki green, not so much. Huh?
2: Kawasaki green has its place, you know. On a 737, hey, we've seen a lot of different thirty seven 737s over the years, so.
1: Well and you know, some of the stuff in here like uh some of the some of the descriptive language, like the lettering over the aft seats. It says Kalula fans, the greatest peeps in the world. Well, Not people, the greatest peeps, throne room. Extra what is it? Extra leg room, baby. Well yeah. Dave,
2: you, you, you probably remember this. I don't think I don't think Jack would. Remember back then, in the seventies. When Piper came out with the Cheyenne one, oh, yeah, they, the, the first one they did, they had it painted like it was a blueprint. It was the the, the under all oh. color was that blueprint blue. Yeah. That sounds familiar. They had familiar. Various, yeah. various things highlighted on it, like on this, this Kalula airplane, uh, but it was all done um, as you would do a blueprint. It was that yeah. kind of text and that kind of drawing and that kind of labeling and this kind of thing. And it was it was it was, was kind of cute. It was kind of cute. It just showed you know uh, they were trying to uh, bust into the turboprop market at the time. They didn't. That was their first turboprop, and um,
1: that was an uh, got, it got visibility.
2: He got a lot of visibility. Yeah.
1: Well, in uh, uh, Qantas, Australia's national airline, had a uh, seven forty seven four hundred that uh, was painted in an Aboriginal uh, right. uh, paint design. Uh, they, it came to Oshkosh, oh, I don't know, ten, eleven, twelve years ago on charter. And one of the big things was the statistics about the paint: how many gallons of how many different colors, and how heavy it all was. Well, mm-hmm. yeah. oh,
2: paint is paint is heavy. You you know you know you don't think about it. Um, hey, you pick up a gallon answer. of
1: stuff to take home. I mean,
2: yeah, think you know how much does a gallon, a couple of gallons of paint weigh? Right. Well, that's that's not you know all going away. Yeah, some, a, of the, some of some of evaporate, but the solid As solids, I
0: understand it, as I understand it, that's why the early jetliners um, and early airplanes, the metal airplanes, were silver, were unpainted. Yeah. was because the weight of the paint made a difference that's, back that's then. That's a lot of it. They didn't know any better back then
2: either, and uh, um, you really have to maintain a polished airplane. That's uh, true. Keep clean and keep corrosion off of it paint uh,
1: solves a lot of those sins. Yeah, Well, well it goes thing- up over much heavier than a henway.
0: <laughs> on that note, <laughs> welcome, folks, to episode 172 of Uncontrolled Airspace, the General Sky- Aviation Podcast. The
2: Skyhawk <laughs> yeah.
0: a Skyhawk. That's right. This is the Skyhawk episode. Uh, we're recording this episode on uh, Thursday, February 11th, 2010. And uh, joining me here this evening in the virtual hangar is, uh, let's see, one of those voices is Dave Higdon, who's uh, joining us from Wichita, Kansas. Hi, David. How are you? Oh, wow. It's, yeah, it's good. I'm, I'm doing well. Thank you. How about you, yourself? I'm good. I'm good. You just made me remember, I think it was last week you you screamed during the podcast, and uh, the, uh, the audio gear is still recovering from that scream, and uh, it was pretty funny. Uh, and it, was it wasn't even fast. primal. Well, it it was close. (laughs) It was close. It was you talking about the feds. That's about about the definition of primal, if you ask me. Um, Also (laughs) here in the hangar is uh, Jeb Burnside, who's talking to us from somewhere near Sarasota, Florida. Hi, Jeb. How are you tonight? I'm about as fine as frog fur. Thanks for asking.
1: So we got into a little
0: Twitter... Twitter pissing match. This <laughs> <happened>. <laughs> this happened. You don't try to one-up me, with me man. man. I know. Don't, don't, don't
2: screw with me on, on airport pics, man. I will I screw you over I every was time.
0: To, I was trying to like get a little uh, get a little cred or something going here, you know, about uh, something I'll talk about in a second. And you had to one up me here with your. Although I was well, see, I didn't want to get into the whole pissing match thing because I was. No,
2: you know, no, you could have. And my and, picture and, was from
0: like today. You had to dig up one from a year ago. So uh, it was April. Yeah.
2: And the same airplane I'll probably see the same airplane and be able to take the same shot this weekend.
0: You probably will, you probably will. And I'm Jack Hodgson and uh and I'm talking to you tonight from uh, somewhere near Gate Alpha three five at the Detroit Metropolitan <laughs> <laughs> Airport. I'm not kidding, man. I'm not telling you. I'm, in, I'm, I'm in
2: a, in the TSA guard lounge, <laughs> handcuffed. <laughs> I gave you the, my laptop back, but um, uh, this is the I don't craziest. know how long we'll be able to do this tonight. This might be a short episode.
1: This is it, the crazy. The nice thing, thing about hotel. it is that the room is cheap and you get all the airline food that you can find. Oh, Lordy. Don't let's st- talk.
0: All right, so but, here's but the story. The liquor only comes in little bottles. Here's the story. This is the Airport Weston, all right. Um, it's literally in the corner. So you got one of those three of these terminal um, buildings at uh, at least I think there's three, but of the, the, uh, here at uh, at uh, DTW, and uh, really really long, straight, you know, with all the gates on one on both sides, all right. And um, and and the very center of this long thin building, all right, is the entryway out to where they have baggage claim and tickets on the other level, and you know where you pick up your cabs and your rental cars and whatnot, and. And nestled into the corner, so so picture this is a T with a really really long top. Nestled into the corner of this T, all right, is this Weston Hotel. It's just like right here. When I was when they when they made these plans for me to come here, they said you're going you're going to stay at the airport Weston, and it's on the airport grounds. And I and and you're going to take a shuttle from the terminal to the hotel. And I figure okay that makes sense. You know I've seen these airport hotels before. So my plane arrives and we go to the gate and I walk off the airplane up onto the concourse, and I'm walking down the concourse, you know, sort of thinking I'm headed to ground transportation, you know, where you get taxis and shuttles and stuff, and as I'm getting to the point in the concourse where you'd turn off to go down towards baggage claim i'm seeing not only signs that say ground transportation but i'm seeing signs that say hotel and they're pointing in a different direction and i'm walk a little bit further and i suddenly realize that in between the Chili's and the mcdonald's on the concourse is the entrance to the weston hotel and you like walk through the through the gateway here all right and you're like like Fifty steps down the little ramp, and you're suddenly in the lobby of the hotel. All right, I mean you're like right there. It's got they've got their own pr- private TSA security gate. All right, um, which is the other story I wanted to tell you. But but so we're it's right here. It's just astounding. All right, I took I posted a picture on Twitter that that uh, um that you guys can go to. It's in, and we'll put it in the show notes. Oh, I'm but looking at it. It's the picture out my window. All right, here in this hotel. All right, and I mean I'm telling you, I've stood at the window at gates at airports and not had as good a view of the airplanes on the ramp. I mean, I'm right here on the well, second floor. Ask, oh, yeah.
2: Let me let me ask you two questions, Jack. Y- yeah. One, can you open the window? Can no. you can you open the window, the hotel window? Can you no, open No, and it? I
0: wouldn't be half surprised if it's like missile proof or something like that. You know, it's like Okay. I'm All right. <laughs> that, that,
2: that was that's one question. All of this though reminds me of uh the old George Carlin uh bit where he's yeah. doing the hippy dippy weather. And he's talking about the weather at the airport. He says, "Which well, just stupid because I don't know anybody who lives at the airport." Well, now we do.
1: <laughs> now we do. Yep, our friend, our friend Jack, is living there. Yeah. Albeit, I've lived at an airport once or twice. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, a conference that I had to attend last year was at a hotel right in the terminal at DFW.
0: Yeah, well that's basically where I am here. So here's my weird story. Here's the it's, surreal. And you didn't have this good of you. Here's the surreal story, all right? So I'm here at this hotel. There's more. (laughs) and, And so basically if you, you know, I came down this ramp from the concourse, and obviously you pass through TSA security, you know, you're exiting security at this point, so you can't go back, right? And now I'm in the lobby of the hotel. If you continue through the lobby and go out the far side, you get out to where you can kind of get a cab or, you know, somebody can pick you up in a car or whatnot, and you turn a left and you're into the ticket area, right? So that's the exit. out. But there's nothing there, obviously. I mean, certainly nothing pedestrian wise you've got to like rent a car or find a cab or whatever so basically all I've got is the hotel alright the hotel has one restaurant which quite frankly is not outstanding but is pretty expensive um, and, you've got, <laughs> and you've got a bar that I'm scared to try because the restaurant is so expensive alright um, and, and I'm here for four days alright and so I'm not sure if I want to like just live on this particular restaurant for four days and so I ask the desk I say there's I there's you know cuz there's like a, I'm not kidding there's a Chili's on one side and a McDonald's on the other side if I could go back up the ramp all right and I said can I go I probably can't go back there, can I? And she says, oh, no, you can. As a hotel guest, you're entitled to, you know, we'll, we'll call security and they'll do your thing and you just go through security as if you're going to a, to an airline, all right? So this afternoon, I gave this a try. I figured I had to do this. You know, whether or not I really wanted to eat at Chili's or not, the fact is I had to be able to say that I went through TSA for no reason at all, all right? And... uh so I did. I went up to the front desk and I said, I want to go to the restaurant out there. What do I do? And she says, OK. She says, go talk to the the guard. She says, and the one of the uh, it was a, a Detroit area police officer is manning this particular counter. And so I go over to him and I say, I want to go up here. And he says, OK, you're a guest of the hotel. I say, yeah, I am. He says, can I see your ID? I say, OK. He gets my he looks at my ID now because they haven't. I'm guessing because they haven't pre-checked my reservation against the watch list or whatever. All right. Um, he gets on the phone, and he calls some magic number, and, and I'm kind of listening to what he's saying, but I can't quite hear. He's saying, I need to do a da, 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 check on da, da, and he says my name, and he listens for a couple seconds, and everything's hunky-dory, and he hangs up the telephone, grabs out a piece of paper that is entitled something like, you know, Authorization for Commercial Entry to Airport Concourse or something like that, and he fills out all my information, puts my name, and so forth and so on. And, wow, oh, that's the longest name for a hall pass. Yeah, well, that's exactly what it is is right and so uh, so then he gives me the form and he says okay now go up there and just go through security as if you're going to your flight um and of course i don't I, you know i knew i was going to go through security so i kind of left a lot of stuff i obviously don't have my bag or anything like that i kind of minimized what was in my pockets and um but uh I went up and took off my shoes and put my phone and et cetera into the tray just like usual and uh, went up and walked through the gate and was chatting with the security guy saying this is like, you know, the, the most, most I've ever gone through to get a hamburger before. And, uh, and, and he was like laughing. He was saying, yeah, I know this happens all the time. And he was like giving me suggestions on restaurants out in the concourse. He's saying, oh no, you should eat here. You know, you should eat there. I
1: was going to say once you get in on the concourse, you got all the restaurants inside security available to you in whatever yeah. conference you want to go to, right? Yeah,
0: yeah. And so yeah. so I went to the this, restaurant this and I had
1: piece of paper you
2: Yeah. This piece of paper did you have to wear it or just tuck it in your pocket?
0: No, you know I'm bummed. They didn't let me keep it um, I I went to, yeah. So the guy, the first cop, he's like filling out all the information, and uh, and then he tore it in half and kept one half and gave me the other half. And he says, okay, now go up there. And so the then the TSA guard who walked me through the metal detector and patted me down. They're always patting. They're patting you down like a hundred percent of the time these days, by the way. Um, so uh, he patted me down and uh, looked at my ID and flashed a little purple light on it, and uh, and then he kind of set it on. The, on the on a counter nearby and he's while he's patting me down and then he says okay you're good go on there and i said do i get the piece do i take the piece of paper and he goes no no no. i'll keep that and i'm going Oh damn i want oh, a piece of paper okay. you know cause so I, now you're inside the secure area with no proof of why you're allowed to be there <laughs> yeah i know well i got my room key i'm figuring that's you know that's going to be my get out of jail card here no
1: no no this is my boarding pass room yeah. 1023
0: yeah, so uh, uh, yeah. So oh, I went yeah. to the restaurant, and then I spent – I couldn't stay there very long because I had to come back here to do the podcast. But uh, I did go walking around a little bit, and it felt really weird to be walking around the terminal with, like, no luggage and, you know, not even a jacket. You know, I'm just like – I'm thinking, I must look really conspicuous here because, you know, I'm, I'm just a guy. Uh, well, you know, so sport. many
1: of these airports now, when you get inside security, the only difference between it and a, and a big shopping mall is that there's airplanes out one side.
0: And TSA, right? You know, I mean, in, in, in way, I got a way, I got a little taste of, of LASP here. You know, it's kind of like, uh, I don't know, it's like a, a different way of going through the whole thing. So, anyways, it was relatively painless, you know, except that I'm in the system now. They've filled out a form that will be, you know, circles and arrows and a paragraph on the back of each one. I was going to say, I, you know, when you get done with
1: the podcast, I'd go out and find a bar in the airport yeah, just well, because
0: you can you think if I go through th- two or three times a day, then you we'll set have to go through that again. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I'm gonna have to go through every time. You have to go through know, that again, don't you? you yeah, know, no, you're gonna start so looking why, at yeah. me crooked. Yeah, I don't yeah. know. Anyways, you're work. you're living there. You're living there. It's, yeah, it's you I know. know. I'm like Tom Hanks. I was just in, gonna say that exactly. Just, <laughs> me yeah. and Tom Hanks. I already did. Without oh. the accent. Just 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 yeah. don't.
2: Um, after you get through the second time, don't turn around. and, and look back at the at the checkpoint as you walk away and yell "Allah Akbar."
1: Just don't do that.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's what to do. Sure, very clever, very clever. <laughs> but but do
1: be sure and ask the 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 nice guy TSA. Is it- Can you recommend a good place to get some men's underwear, please? <laughs> <laughs>
0: All right, that's enough, David. Yeah, once yeah, again, you need you're to
1: gonna... buy new underwear. Yeah.
0: Oh man, uh, oh. David! Oh, once yeah. again, was... once <laughs> again, you David. You catch
1: the guy the wrong way, and he'll need a new underwear <laughs> just about the same time you do.
0: You know, I don't mess with these people. I don't do not mess with the, you. Know, I, my experience has been, I, I am you know I mean I'm on the record with you guys as being being completely you know not buying the whole strategy the whole Concept behind these TSA searches and so forth, but my experience has been that the the folks that do the guard duty at, at the gates are are decent people and they're just oh, trying yeah. to do they're trying to do what they consider to be an important job. Um and uh and and most of them just kind of do their job and pass you through, no big deal. And a handful of them I've come across are actually very nice and give me suggest. I mean, I've had them give me suggestions. You know, you know when they come across something in my luggage that looks a little suspicious, you know we'll talk about it and they'll say. Okay. Next time, do this, and it will be less suspicious looking. You know, my my, my aviation. Don't bring it. You know. Yeah. Well, <laughs> no. Well, you know. Occasionally, oh. that's been the, that's been kind of where we were headed. But other times, it's. I, been, I,
2: I got this. I got this story I got to tell at this stage. I, this was yeah. well before nine eleven. This was back in uh, early nineties, maybe. Um, I'm ferrying an airplane from um, uh, Columbus back to Washington, so. I catch an airline out to Columbus, and uh, oh, I'm on the it was, it was way back. I had flown the airplane out to Columbus, and I'm catching an airliner to come home. That's what it was, and I've got my flight bag with me, and I've had this flight bag at this point probably ten years, and you throw stuff in it, okay, and you say, all right, I'm you know I might need this sometime, boom, and you. you you, you, your mind plays tricks over the years. You know, I'll throw this in, throw that in, throw the other thing. So I get to the, the security at Columbus Airport, and the guy starts going through my flight bag. And I'm down in the bowels of my flight bag, I've got this big, pla- heavy plastic pouch. And in this pouch are, I don't know, probably 20, 30 strike anywhere matches. Okay. Plus uh, an adjustable wrench kind of multi-tool thing, uh, a couple of screwdrivers, just odds and ends, like flashlight, things like this, you know, right. in this, this plastic pouch. And the guy pulls this out says, "What the hell is all this?" And you know, I said, "Look, look at the bag. There's charts. There's all this stuff. I'm, I'm a pilot. I just flew an airplane out of here. am I'm, I'm catching an airliner home." And this didn't faze him at all. He was unimpressed. Hmm. So he starts going through everything. He says, Well let me see your let me see some ID and you know, I pull out all my ID and this is me and this is you know, this is my pilot's license and this is my driver's license. I don't have my passport with me. What do you you know, what do you want? And um they let me go. And I'm walking through the the terminal, I get to a I get to a bar, sit down and get a beer and a in a, a hot dog, haven't eaten all day and um watch T V, watch the OSU game. And about 30 minutes before my flight's supposed to push, I start sauntering off down the, down the concourse, and I duck in the men's room, and I wash my face and, and brush my hair and, and all this kind of thing. And, and uh, I wasn't paying much attention. There's a guy that came in after me, and, and he's, you know kind of waiting for me to leave, And uh, I grab my stuff and I walk out, and, and I turn around and look back at him as I'm walking out the door, and he's looking in the stall that I had been in. Oh. Not going in, but just looking. Uh-huh. And I, 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 I'm sure there was someone tailing me to the gate also after all of this. And I was just like, okay, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to take, you know, with my little, you know, multi, my, my little Leatherman tool, I'm going to take a part of 737. Um, the whole thing was just impossible. <laughs> but or start or start a fire or something like that with all matches. But those days are long gone anyway, because they wouldn't they wouldn't even let me close to an airplane these days. with that, so that stuff.
0: Kind of, yeah, I know. Yeah. yeah. Once again, we've Stop. got them screaming yeah. at the iPods here. I don't know. I'm. We'll to see whether yeah, I just whether well, we have to cut this out Shut or this cut it down out. a little yeah. bit. Anyways, um, that's uh, yeah, that's uh, my little voluntary e- elective TSA experience this afternoon. Um, Moving on, David. Uh, you t- uh, two weeks in a I row, do you're it. saying nobody you, saw me. You're saying nice things about the Feds here. You've uh, you've got uh, the 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 note you posted for us is uh, Obama FAA getting it. Yeah. What do, you, uh, what do you have to say here? What's going on? Well, I don't
1: I don't remember that we brought it up in in the last session when we cracked open alcoholic beverages and talked airplanes stuff. In a totally safe manner. But yeah,
0: well, a rumor has ago, it we're going to talk airplanes. We haven't done it yet, but go ahead. Keep going. It,
1: it, well, a couple of weeks ago, uh, the uh, uh, Obama administration delivered to Congress its budget proposal for fiscal year 2011, which starts at the end of this coming uh, September, I believe it does, and nowhere in the... Transportation department portion of it was any language hint or suggestion that aviation funding changed to user fees. It was all about retaining the current excise tax systems that we have in place now, and I think with a little fiddling of the rates, not much, nothing that the general aviation industry in particular has uh, hasn't said. This is we would love it to be this way. And you can even raise our rates. We understand the need. Well, a lot of people that were really ticked off, you know, that the budget, first budget that they proposed coming in last year did talk about changing the user fees, but it didn't seem to have much conviction behind its suggestions, and it didn't go anywhere. Of course, Congress still hasn't passed an FAA authorization, so we're running on these. Continuing resolution things. Now comes the rest of the details on the 2011 fiscal year budget, and the FAA is asked for about 30 percent more money to advance the next generation air traffic control system changeover, which includes ADSB and procedures and some new ground monitoring equipment that can use ADSB and, and uh, uh, what do they call it? Uh, Anyway, they, they they really seem to be getting on board recently. The FAA embraced some uh, task force suggestions on how to handle the transition from the current system, radar-based, ground-based, to uh, GPS-dependent. ADS-B is the link. Uh, there was a changeover in the Gulf of Mexico, uh, adding... A, great big swath of the Gulf for offshore operations and international traffic uh, back in uh, December, and they dedicated it uh, just a few weeks ago. The administrator was down there. And they're asking for more money to advance next-gen in in the coming year. Those are all kind of indicative to me of an administration that's getting it in terms of the need to advance this changeover do it expeditiously because it'll be cheaper in the long run to do it expeditiously and uh putting their suggestions for money where their mouth is mm-hmm. as opposed well, to saying it. acknowledging that this change needs to happen and as soon as we are afford- able to afford it we'll think about doing it which yeah. is what we've had administrations of both stripes do in the past so
0: on the other hand, this is an administration that, in its earliest first days, made noises like they thought user fees were a good idea. Now, I guess they've been educated or, or convinced of the political reality. But aren't you still a little nervous that, uh, that they've got in the back of their heads that user fees are the way to go before they're done?
1: No, one's uh, not right at the moment. On. I
0: don't. No. Um, okay, Jeb. I'm sorry. What'd you say? No one's going to put
2: user fees on this industry right now. Um, doesn't need it. it it would it would um, um we don't need to put uh um i'm sorry i'm, I'm getting tongue-tied here <coughs> excuse me um the way the economy is right now we don't need any more user fees on on this segment of the industry or on, on the airlines for that matter either um there's not enough uh, uh elasticity in the economy to do anything like that so they're not going to do it two years from now uh thing might be another story but uh uh, in addition, um, yeah, this is a good thing for the time being. The flip side of which is there's some other things like this through the fence uh, issue that we've talked about in the past, the past couple three episodes maybe uh, that hasn't has yet to be resolved, and uh, yeah. that's just you know more of the, the groupthink that that goes on uh, at the agency. Um, we're not out of the woods yet with this administration on a variety of issues, and this is just these um, um, are just two examples
1: yeah okay well a friend of mine and a couple of contacts of mine who still live and work inside the beltway and one of them works for a really really famous aviation uh, agency and uh, there's some hint they say they believe that what's Turned in the background that made this proposal that was in there a year ago to change over to a user fee based system and left it alone at the excise taxes is some examination that's gone on in the interim that concluded in their eyes that a couple of things one, there's no system that you can devise. That is not going to be revenue, it's not going to be sensitive to rises and falls in aviation activity, whether it's excise taxes, fuel taxes, or a user fee system. If people slow down on how much they're flying, pull back on how much they're flying, airlines and GA, revenues are going to go down under both systems. So the argument that user fees were a way to solve the problem of the fluctuation in excise tax revenues. Second, there seemed to be some awareness that the, uh, the excess tax system, for all of its supposed uh, gains in fairness and split, which we don't acknowledge is true, there was no way to do that without making the whole system much more expensive at the infrastructure level, at the level where somebody's got to bill it, somebody's got to collect it, and somebody's got to account for it before it can be spent is exponentially more expensive to do than just saying okay it's like sales tax you add a percentage you remit and it goes into the hopper very straightforward very simple everybody understands that there's no well let's see you got a flight plan briefing and then you filed and you went six segments and you were in the system for two hours and fifty three minutes at so many dollars an hour and so many dollars a minute and so many dollars per second and and having to invoice for all that, there's no way that that can be done as cheaply and efficiently. And it seems like some of the people have actually listened to that logic. Mm-hmm. And, and the third thing is, like Jeb said, in this economy, nobody is going to get any mileage out of suggesting anything new like a user fee. Even if it wound up being the same amount of money coming out of people's pockets, it's just not well-timed and it doesn't sell well.
0: To which yeah. I say, "Yay! Yay! <laughs> okay!" Moving on here. So, uh, as Jeb is so fond of pointing out to us, uh, he lives in the only place in America where it isn't snowing right now. Um, <laughs> it's just like snowing all over America and, and most notably, um, most dramatically, some, in some cases most tragically, um, it's snowing pretty good across the uh, middle of the eastern seaboard. Um, uh, Philadelphia down to Washington D.C. and, and to the south. Um, one of the news stories I saw recently was about some hangars that got damaged at Manassas, Jeb, um, which, of course, is, is your old old airport before you headed south. Um, I, I just had this image that it's like that's the hangar that you used to keep the Debbie in, and you got it out just in time. No, uh, it wasn't.
2: Um, the, the, I'm familiar with the hangar. Obviously, it did collapse. It was a relatively new hangar, as, as it turned out. Uh-huh. Um, there were no airplanes in the... There, there was, there's been several collapses of note here. Let's talk about them real quickly. Um, it, all of them in the Washington area... Um One was at the Manassas airport uh It was a hangar um operated anyway by Dulles Aviation, which is an f b o- based at Manassas, not at Dulles. um It was an empty hangar uh there, I think that some people were maybe staying in it overnight so they could work on getting the airplane open or the airport open the next morning uh I heard a report that one of them was slightly injured when this occurred. The other four got out okay uh there were no airplanes in the hangar at the time. At Dulles International Airport, the oh. Dulles Jet Center oh. mm-hmm. had a hangar collapse. Yeah, um, several business jets were in that hangar, including, I am told, a fifty-hour-old uh, Bombardier Global Express, which is about a forty-million-dollar airplane. Oh, yeah, a couple of hawkers and and all the other all all kinds of nice, fun hardware. Um. The pictures I saw, and they're out there. Uh, Somebody's—I think it's on—they're on Flickr somewhere. Uh, the pictures I saw had two or three airplanes sitting on their tails, looking looking like all the other pictures you see of Cessna 152 sitting on their tails on tie downs right. in that area. Yeah, okay, but these, these, these were in these a airplanes, These biz jets had a building on top of
0: them, yeah okay um, um, not funny now,
2: now the, the third real real quickly, theres yeah. a third collapse, and this this is potentially the most serious of them all we don't know yet uh the Paul e. Garber facility in Silver Hill, Maryland, which yeah. is the eastern suburbs of uh d c um for years, that's where the Smithsonian did all of their restoration work. Oh, at that Garber facility.
0: I, I had heard that it was a Smithsonian facility. I didn't realize it was an Air and Space yeah. facility. Yeah, yeah it's Air it and was, Space. It's their, it, that's it's what it their was. Storage um, area, their
1: restoration area. All oh. of that goes on at Silver Hill.
0: Oh, wow. Well, this, this was their this
2: was their former storage and, and restoration area. They still have uh, artifacts stored there and. Uh, they still do some work there. Most of that has shifted out to the Dulles facility, but, um, and I, I've been to the Garber facility before. I've got some, somewhere, some great, uh, photos of, of going around through there. Uh, this was back, you know, 20, 20 25 years ago. Uh, there was a collapse. Uh, it, it didn't, it affect some of the Garber facility buildings, um, the we don't know yet what was in in those buildings and what the condition of those artifacts might be mm. uh could be airplane parts could be you know disassembled airplanes could be you know memorabilia we don't know
0: yeah that's oh yeah and
2: we don't know uh, the conditions. so
0: what about other ga facilities what's the buzz on the uh, dc pilots list about other
2: ga there's a guy on the dc pilots list who uh Well, he's on the management of the Leesburg, Virginia Airport, the identifier for which is Juliet Yankee Oscar. And uh, he's been putting out some fairly consistent or or informative and and, and, uh, timely reports. Uh, After the first big dump, uh, the 20-plus inches, and and, uh, Leesburg supposedly got 34.5 inches of snow Yeah, yeah. in the uh, the first dump uh, over the weekend. Uh, They had just, they'd been open less than
1: 24 hours. When the second wave hit. The
2: second storm hit. And it's like, uh, uniform, Foxtrot, November. Until further notice, they are closed. Mm. Uh, Stick a fork in them. They might be open for the weekend. I haven't seen any updates. Um, But the second storm... Uh, that you know, basically, there's two storms here. The first one was 20 inches, the, the minimum. The, the second one was 10 inches minimum. The second storm also came with you know, like 30 knot winds. It was it was a blizzard conditions where the first one was just a heavy snowfall. So there's a lot of people still hunkered down up there, and uh, uh, there's a lot of airplanes that won't be flying for another week or two.
1: Well, and, and, and you think about the whammy of these places in the uh, Virginia through New York areas have taken. Because these are areas, this is a big wide swath of the eastern seaboard that got spanked by snow really badly to the tune of shutting down airports and thousands of flights canceled the weekend prior to Christmas. So this is the third time in, what, eight weeks, seven weeks? I guess seven weeks. Third time in seven weeks, six or seven weeks uh... they've been you know just blistered by winter weather uh, and I, you know the 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 funny joke i heard from a buddy of mine in uh... in in dc was uh... that after seeing the pictures of the collapsed hangar at uh... the uh... dulles airport with the global expresses and and gulf streams sitting on their uh... on their tails that both Gulfstream and Bombardier have announced new tailwheel versions of their Global Express <laughs> and the and the G five hundred because they just look so cool, sitting <laughs> nose high like that. Can you say wheelie? Yeah. <laughs> uh,
2: that's that's mean. That's just mean.
0: Well, the winter's but, uh, not over uh, either. I, I, I will
2: s- say this about it. yeah. I will yeah. I will say this though. Um, uh, my buddy uh Lee, my mechanic uh, yeah. excuse me, the man in black, the satanic mechanic, um, <laughs> left here earlier this week, headed back to DC. well
0: that's just um, good time. and I just
2: talked to him an hour or so before we started this, yeah yeah I talked to him an hour or so before we started this. He got back just fine the the roads were clear, uh no issues um and um you know he's looking forward to spending a few days in winter wonderland but uh uh, at least, at least you can get around by car, at least on the major roads up there.
0: It's kind of ironic that, you know, and, and I've seen the similar kind of stories that you were describing the, you know, airplanes in the hangars getting damaged, and it, it suddenly made me think to some similar stories of hurricane damage, where you, you know, you think that, you know, I'm, I'm blessed to be able to put my airplane in a hangar, but in some cases the, the most well certainly the visually most stunning damage that comes out of hurricanes air, aviation wise uh is uh is when a hangar gets destroyed and everything in it gets wrecked by the hangar. Um it's kind of sad. It's kind of a ironic turn.
1: Uh, Weather and hangars can can produce some strange results. Uh,
0: yeah, we've talked about quick, ice and so forth in the past.
1: Right, and, uh, real quick and dirty had a a, a winter Several years ago where the uh, snow, freezing rain, and warming cooling cycles, my airport manager needed 48 hours notice if I could give it so that they could torch the rolling tracks for my hangar doors. Right. To the point where they melted the ice out of it. Uh, and it was a real fine line because the, 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 the tracks connected to the hangar next to it. And if you melted theirs, it ran into yours again. It was very bad. Uh, a really big winter storm that we had uh, a couple of years later with just momentous, monumental north-northwest winds. And we had a north-facing hangar. Uh, we, we got a lot of snow built up on it. Which was okay, but the winds took the hangar doors off their roller tracks. And from some dent of good fortune, when the doors fell, they fell out, out instead of yeah. into the hangar.
2: Ooh, got lucky that time.
1: Yeah, really, really. And uh, we were unable to get into the hangar for a few days, uh, one spring in between these two extremes, when. Uh, tornadic weather that came through the Wichita area and areas east of it produced some straight-line winds so strong that it, ra- it lifted the roof on our row of T-hangers mm-hmm. and wedged a bunch of the doors. Yeah. And they had to get something in, some cranes in, to lift the roof. And in what had been secure by its own weight for years – they came back through and drilled and put bolts through yeah. to hold the roof down to the sidewalls after that.
0: Yeah, that's what they do. That's part of what they do when they're trying to earthquake proof buildings is that they, they you know they want to make sure that your house is bolted to the foundation so that it can't vibrate off the foundation. So yeah, it's all all these weird environmental things. Anyways, we our thoughts go out to all of our aviation friends in the central Atlantic states that are having just a brutal winter and it's not over yet, so we'll see what's gonna happen. Um, moving on. And,
1: and and to our friend to our friends in the air traffic service? Uh, that work that part of the country, like Washington Center and Atlanta and, and New York and all that. Uh, we hope you're enjoying the downtime.
0: Yeah, I know. Days yeah. off. Snow day. Snow day. All right. Uh, let's see now. Uh, th- I'm not sure there's really a story here, but it's sort of a follow-up to things we've talked about in the past. Um, we talk from time to time about uh, uh, UAVs and RPVs, un- un- unmanned aerial vehicles aerial vehicle. and remotely piloted vehicles uh, uh, most notably the predator that we we saw in, in Oaded and and, and 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 if you're Steve Tupper, threw things at um, at Oshkosh last summer, um, and I had kind of vaguely remembered hearing that there were schools now that were starting to do uh, do uh, courses to uh, do flight training and operations training for these kinds of things. Two stories came up in the recent past on this subject. The first um, from uh, KSU—that's Kansas State University—is that what it is, David? That's that's correct. Federal official. Federal fish. I'm reading from uh, CJOnline.com. The Topeka Capital Journal. Uh, federal officials have granted a certificate to Kansas State University's Salina campus to fly un- to fly an unmanned aerial vehicle near a military training area. Permission is granted for Kansas State to fly PowerCat, an aircraft operated by a private company over the Great Plains Joint Regional Training Center, and presumably this is for training. They're going to. Teach kids how to be UAV pilots. And, uh, so, you know, here it comes. Look out. The other story is, uh, UND, uh, University of North Dakota. Um uh, very, very famous for its aviation programs. Um, this is from the Jetwine blog. Uh, it Writes the UND plants the seed of no-pilot airliners. This is either you're going to get me started here. Let me just read this stuff, a couple paragraphs first. Uh, Much has been made uh, lately of the University of North Dakota's new Bachelor of Science degree in aeronautics with a major in unmanned aircraft systems operations, uh, taught at the uh, at the Aerospace uh, Sciences Center in uh, Grand Forks. Um, UND is quick to point out that right now the military is the primary career opportunity for UAV pilots, but let's be honest, the no-pilot airliner is just around the corner. Uh, I think this is, well, I don't know. What do you think about that statement? Let me just, I think that's a wide, long, yeah, sweeping yeah, corner. I know. But here's my point, by the way, and I was just having this argument online with a couple, or on Twitter with a couple, not argument, but we're just kind of going back and forth. I, I'm not totally comfortable with these these aircraft at all, but I they are not, Unpiloted aircraft. All right, um, unpiloted um, is a whole other thing. These are these are remotely piloted vehicles. And well, uh, some Jared. some some
1: some unmanned aerial
0: vehicles are un- are unpiloted. Yeah. Have you all noticed who wrote this? Who wrote? Th- oh, Scott Spangler wrote this. Okay, yeah, yeah. Well, then that's a good source to me. Um, yeah. And uh, Scott, Scotty does a lot of work with Jet yeah. And, so anyways, uh, I, I, again, I'm not sure exactly what the story here is other than to point out that here's two schools that are are really seriously getting into this as a, as a, a, a you know, a career path, if you will, or as a, as a, a knowledge, you know, path, training. Um, and UND. I think some of what Salina is doing is in support of
1: the training area uh, as opposed to being a program specifically to teach pilotage of unmanned aerial vehicles. And it bears pointing out, there's unmanned aerial vehicles that are remotely piloted, and those that are not remotely piloted. They're autonomous. Right. And there's a world of difference between. Uh, it, I know. That's my know, point which, exactly. But it's autonomous. But they're they're all on. Which I know breaks Steve Tupper's heart. But yeah. Uh, it, the weight loss program it would take to get that job is beyond what even an anorexic could deal with, and.
0: <laughs> okay. All right. So uh anyways, these are just uh, two two programs um and uh you it's,
1: know well there's no way around the fact that this is one of the big growth areas in aviation right now, both in uh, hardware development and research and development and in uh you know downstream paths for employment. Uh working with these equipment, maintaining it because there's going to be some Skills there for people that don't have to be able to crawl into the airplane, uh, which means that the leprechaun could do this, but his size wouldn't be a big issue anymore. Uh,
0: <laughs> do you consider the people who operate these aircraft to be pilots?
1: No.
2: No. no, I don't either. Huh. Technicians, they're not pilots.
0: Do you The guys who are hot for RC, radio-controlled recreational aircraft, are they pilots? No. No. Okay.
1: I think to be a pilot, you have to be part of what moves in three dimensions. Otherwise, uh, you have you're have a, some, a systems operator. You have to have some
2: skin in the game. And I will stipulate, in my mind, the definition of a pilot uh, includes someone who has... Uh, solo an airplane that has physically left the ground, or, or aircraft uh-huh. that has physically left the ground under its own power, and that's not even right either, because there's a lot of gliders, and you know, I consider glider pilots pilots. Um,
1: I considered but, myself a pilot when all I flew was hang gliders,
0: right? Uh, yeah, yeah.
1: But but it was me and a machine uh, operating in three dimensions. The machine and me together, yeah. operating in three dimensions, physically joined at the hang strap. Its fate and my fate were inextricably linked. Inextricably linked. Uh, it it gets close being able to actually fly, you know, Flight Sim Twenty Seven, and know that there's a machine out there responding to what you're doing, but you're still flying Flight Sim Twenty Seven because you're only risking the hardware you're not actually propelling yourself through three dimensions
0: yeah. right you got to have so
1: some skin not. in the game you know yeah. yeah and and it's not to take anything away from them they may be perfectly good at it in an airplane uh, but that's not piloting that's operating yeah
0: okay All right, we're starting to run uh, out of our allotted time here. There's one story I definitely want to not skip over here, Um, and this is uh, uh, two episodes ago. In 170, uh, we did an off-field landing of the week where we talked about an air coupe that uh, had engine troubles on uh, just after lifting off at uh, Napa Airport in uh, Napa, California. And uh, we talked a little bit about, uh, I mean, it's it's your basic uh, off-field landing of the week story. We talked about uh, what little we knew about the circumstances, and we applauded the the pilot's uh, good skill and good luck at getting on the ground safely uh, and so forth. And, and you know, we kind of talk like this all the time, and, uh, you know, what the heck, nobody's listening, right? Well, we got I got <laughs> we got an email today. Uh, it says, hey, Jack, Jeb, and Dave, I've been listening to your podcast since November. I've recently become a student pilot. I'm training at KAPC. Uh That's Napa, all right. Home to the most recent off-field landing of the week. He says, "I'm taking an evening ground school at the FBO in Napa, and since I'm a full-time student at UC Davis, about 40 miles, 40 minutes from Napa, uh, at the ground school, I introduced your podcast to my CFI, the fellow student, my fellow students, and to the off-field pilot of the week, Josh Gray. This is the guy who was flying this. All right, has all right." this is Josh again uh, this is uh, Gregory Guy uh, is the uh, listener who's writing this uh, he says Josh is the one who walked away from an emergency landing in an air coop uh, after engine failure just to remind you all right he goes on to say we listened to the podcast segment and then applauded Josh for his level-headedness in safely putting the air coupe, uh, all uh, putting down the air coupe, all the while giving him grief for his newly acquired celebrity thanks to your podcast he says uh, we then discussed the procedures for such a situation before returning to cross-country planning in ground school, um, so I, you know, it's like uh, my as I put in the little headline here. My my rea- basic reaction to this email was, "Holy crap, they're listening to us here!" It's like <laughs> I, I, you know, my and then my next question is like like, does this mean we gotta like try harder to get this stuff right? I don't know. It's uh, it's just a little spooky. Hi to does uh, so this means Josh and 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 Gregory and all these guys may be listening to this right now. And to which I will repeat my my what we said earlier josh good job for getting on the ground safely that was excellent i hope i can do just as or nearly as well when the time comes um and uh i had to go back and but well, i had to go back and listen to that segment to earlier today just to make sure i could like oh my god what did we say you know did we say something you know <laughs> awful about this guy we're making jokes or anything but uh fortunately we were very respectful as we should have been um about his uh, his accomplishment here i don't know what do you got what's your guys take on this well,
1: first oh, off, thanks, I great. I didn't be, feel you that know, need to go
0: very back. Yeah. Cool. yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry, Jeb. You were stepped on. Go ahead. I,
2: I, was, I was just going to say I didn't. I didn't really feel the need to go back and check what I'd said because I didn't think I would have said anything, you know, uh, critical
0: or anything like that. Yeah, You never said anything you know, outrageous on this podcast. Say, say
2: yeah. Say the same thing all over again. You know, nicely done. Uh, any landing you can walk away from. Um, I hate it when the airplane soils the bed like that, but it does happen and. uh uh, there, but by the grace of God, go I. Uh, get right back up on the horse. We'll see you. We'll see you. Uh, you know, at the next tight end, the next uh, run. Yeah.
1: And and for me, I I hope we get to meet you too, Greg. Uh, yeah. As things stand right now, I think it's Gosh uh, is on the dance card that all three of us are planning to uh, to uh, work this year. So we hope to see you there, and we'll probably be hanging out somewhere near the radio Bring station, here, opening day
0: and closing day. Yeah, or come by the newspaper. Just bring the air coop with you. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, yeah. Bring that air coop over. All right, I think that's uh, that's enough for today. Shout outs. Anybody got any shout outs? I've got one. Go ahead. I go first. I've got uh, two actually. This is a sh- well. All right. If you got two, then we'll split them up here. You do your first one right now. I'll <laughs> oh, okay. put you on the spot here. Okay. Well, you you look yours up and I'll you, do mine. You remember. All right.
2: Go ahead. All right. You, you remember. It's been several episodes ago now, maybe uh, maybe a year or so ago now, uh, because I think this program started about a year ago. Um, We were we were talking about something that was uh, uh, a Canadian uh, cable television program called Ice Pilots.
0: Oh yeah, yep.
2: That uh, we had never seen before, uh, but we had seen the promos for it. We'd seen the website for it. It wasn't available in the U.S. Uh, it was Canadian History Channel, which is not the same as the, the U.S. History Channel. Well, there's a website uh, on which all of the episodes of Ice Pilots are available for free, in, in the time it takes to watch them. Uh, and uh, I have I have become addicted to this. Okay, um, it's just great <clears throat> to me. Like anyway, great television, lots of cool airplanes. Uh, <clears throat> looking at a. Uh, Cargo and uh, passenger operation, based in Yellowknife, uh, um, Northwest Territories, flying airplanes year-round. They're flying. They have two C forty-sixes, probably the two of the last C forty-sixes. Eight, eight of those lines are uh, frigid. Yeah, yeah. Uh, They have uh, at least one DC four, C fifty-four, a handful of DC threes. Uh, they even got a um a Lockheed Electra um configured as a as a freighter. Um and uh, you know something's always blowing up, something's always breaking. Uh there's always some little bit of drama, you know, all this kind of thing. Uh it, it's 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 like uh, um Orange County Choppers with airplanes.
0: Yeah. 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 I've seen I, exactly I haven't watched got, episodes, but it, yeah, I agree. The, the the what little I've seen well, it, it looks really cool.
1: It it reminds me of Ice Road Truckers.
2: Well, that's, that's kind of what it is, too, yeah. But it's what It
0: reminds me of
1: ice road truckers, but except ice road truckers doesn't exist when the river's not frozen. Mm-hmm. And ice pilots, they fly year-round, like you said, which is even more impressive. Uh, well, they,
2: have, they, they do have a rule. They do have a rule. Yeah. Uh, they call it the 40-40-40 rule.
0: Okay. What's that?
2: 40 degrees below zero, they don't fly.
0: Well, I'm glad like they standards. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> 40
2: de- yeah, 40 degrees at, at, the, at, the, at headquarters, 40 degrees at the departure point, 40 degrees um, at altitude, or 40 degrees at the destination. Minus 40. Minus yeah. If it's at that level, they don't fly. Now, here's the punchline. I've watched the first handful of episodes of this program. Never once have they said if we're talking Fahrenheit or Celsius. <laughs> well <yeah. laughs> Like it matters a whole lot. But I know. You get down there, never, it's like
0: just, yeah. Uh, Foxtrot really Charlie but, uh, is what it is. Foxtrot
2: Charlie. <laughs> Foxtrot Charlie. But anyway, that that's one of my shout outs. The, the website the website is willflyforfree.com dot com, which yeah. is kind of interesting in and of itself. Um but uh, uh, you poke around there and you can find a link and um, boom, you're at the first episode. Do you get, I get sense the that episode. this
0: is an approved website, or, uh, approved thing, and or are they going to get taken down eventually? I don't
2: know. Yeah. That's, okay. that's one reason I'm kind of going through and trying to catch up as, as quickly as, quickly as, as I can. you can. Yeah,
0: okay. Yeah. Uh, anyway, go ahead. Yeah, I'm going to check it out. Absolutely. Um, here's my shout out, uh, and you know what? We actually did this as a shout out probably a month or maybe six weeks ago, and then for technical reasons I had to cut it, and I meant to put it back in to do it the next week, and then I kind of forgot, and then the next week and the next week. Um, but this is so this is a long overdue shout out for something that's really cool, and that is that the uh, the PilotCast podcast has returned. Um, it's uh, the PilotCast for the few people out there not not aware. <laughs> Um, yeah we did do it but I had to cut it alright so uh, we're doing it now I want to catch up here I want people to know about this because uh, it's pretty cool uh, pilot cast for the few people I
2: just had the strangest sense of
0: not in people not in the know. The Pilot Cast is one of the very earliest aviation podcasts that was out there. Um, believe it or not, they predated predated us even. All right, um, and uh, they they uh, they sort of uh, blazed the trail, so to speak. Um, and we're doing great things for a long time. And then they went into sort of a hiatus uh, for much of the, the past year. And now they've come back. Um, it's got part of the old cast and partly a new cast. It's uh, m- primarily made up of Pilot Kent and Pilot Bill and Pilot. Tiffany, and uh, they do a new podcast every two weeks. Uh, they're up to, I think they've done four now in the past two months since they restarted. Um, n- notably, I think the most recent episode is the, what they're calling episode uh, 74. Um, it's called. It's got a title that I would. I wish I'd thought of this title and could use it somehow on one of our podcasts because they called this episode "A Rooster, a Sheep, and a Duck." <laughs> and uh, uh, it turns out that uh, they, had guests, a yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> they had as guests. Yeah, exactly. They had as as guests on this particular episode uh, David Allen of the Pilot's Flight Podlog and Steve Tupper of Airspeed. And apparently, no. it turned into this. Kind kind of trivia, uh, you know, uh, uh, aviation so, trivia extravaganza which, thing. So,
1: which, which one of them was the duck? Yeah.
0: <laughs> well, you know, it's funny you should say that, but I uh, never mind. Uh, rumor has it. Uh, no, it's not a whole other story. I'll tell you later on.
2: I'll, 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 I'll lend you my truck for that duck. Yeah. Exactly.
0: <laughs> so uh, if you haven't already caught on to the fact that PilotCast is back, you should. Uh, you can learn more about them at PilotCast.com. And uh, that's my shout-out. David, you got anything? And we're Real Jim. quick, yep. Jim, Jim P., who in
1: the forum was laying out his thinking on choosing an airplane, started a really good discussion. Uh, if you haven't checked it out in the forums area, check it out, chime in with your two cents worth. It's been good. Second, hats off to the folks at Gear Valley Airport in Arizona for grabbing the tig- title of world's busiest general aviation airport. Away from Van Nuys this year. That's two. Three, please put this this link in here. What I labeled the off their heads landing of the week two guys that belong in the movie Jackass Goes Airborne. (laughs) (laughs) One in a Cherokee, one in a convertible, trying to see how close they could get Cherokee airplane, not cheap, Cherokee airplane. Flying so low in the opposite direction of the travel of the convertible, that when they misjudged, when they misjudged, one of the main gear of the Cherokee hit the windshield of the convertible, shearing the gear off, causing a terrible, uh, uh, terribly embarrassing landing and damaging the vehicle after the ensuing accident to the point that he was trapped and had to be removed by mechanical leverage to pry the vehicle apart.
0: See, I was going to now, save this story and talk about it at length later on, because I can't picture that they could have hit this car this hard and stayed airborne. I just think that this would have done really bad things let's, to the airplane. Let, let's, if you want to leave it in for a shout-out and let the folks look at the link and talk
1: about it, and we can come back and talk about the mechanics of some of them. Let's do
0: that because later on we have more time. Su- I think you'd be a
1: little surprised.
0: Okay. And we'll, come back. For the- right. we'll come back to that. Jeb, you had one more.
2: Uh, one more. Um, there's a guy. Let me find his. Uh, yeah, here we go. Um, this came to me via the uh, American Bonanza Society. And actually two two real quick ones. Tom Turner, uh, Interim Director of uh, the American Bonanza Society, after they made some personnel and and other changes here over the last couple of weeks. Um, Tom, hang in there. It'll get better, and everybody's pulling for you. Uh, Real quickly also, uh, there's an ABS member, American Bonanza Society member, named Chuck Perry. Um, He's posted uh, in the the forums at the ABS website, um, forums.bonanza.org. Uh, which is, is you don't have to be a member to read the forums. A um, guy from uh, flying a, uh, well, he has, let me put it that way, a uh, Australian registered uh, A36 Bonanza 1970 model uh, that he bought for not a whole lot of money, and he decided to restore it. And there are just pages and pages and pages and pages of, of uh, photographs and commentary uh, of the inside of this bonanza and, and how they've gone through it and literally have, are rebuilding this thing it's almost piece by piece. It's um, just fascinating stuff and shows you know the intricacies of some of these older uh, um, uh, metal airplanes. A lot of them are, are were, were hand built to begin with. This one's getting rebuilt and uh, it's just just fascinating to me. Not because it's bonanza, but just uh, of all of the uh, the intricacies and all the little parts and that are involved and and what you find when you take apart an old airplane. And uh, hats off Great. to Chuck cool. Berry for posting all this, for tackling all this project, and uh, we can't wait to see the finished product.
0: Yeah, very cool. That does sound cool. I want to check that out. Yeah. <coughs> Time to stick a fork in this one. Uh, Dave Higdon. Uh, Dave is, a, uh, is an aviation photographer, also an aviation journalist, and the U.S. editor for London's World Aircraft Sales Magazine. David, where can people find you on the Internet? Avbuyer.com, buyer dot com a dot net aviation consumer something
1: or other dot com uh... And i'm sorry aviation safety something or other dot uh... dave higdon dot biz uh... or google me and throughout the theoretical physicist and the guy who now is apparently the communications director for the lady professional golf association tour sure, so,
0: <laughs> sure that's not stepped your up being a golf writer I think that's your secret life, is what I think. And uh, Jeb Burnside uh, is uh, an aviation journalist. If I journalist. was
1: going to cover a sport, the LPGA would be one of the more attractive options.
0: Jeb Burnside is uh, an aviation journalist, currently serving as the editor-in-chief of Aviation Safety Magazine. Jeb, where can people find you on the Internet?
2: Yeah, coincidentally, aviationsafetymagazine.com. Uh, personal website is still at uh, com. although I have a few ideas for, for freshening that up. I hear in the near
0: future, so I might get around to that.
2: Um, Occasionally, I'll pop up on AvWeb uh, and on uh, AviationConsumer.com.
0: And I'm Jack Hodgson. I'm a private pilot, a freelance writer, and a new media producer. You can learn more about me at JackHodgson.com and AroundTheField.net. Thanks to uh, Jeff Ward for creating our excellent show notes. Uh, Thanks to Mike Morgan and Royce Earl and to the many other listeners who have created the show opening disclaimer clips. We're also very grateful for the financial support we receive from our listeners. For information on how you can make a donation to this podcast, see the Uncontrolled Airspace homepage and the box in the right-hand column labeled Tip Jar. It doesn't need to be very much. Just 10 or $15 over the span of a year is a big help. And don't forget you can visit with us all at the Uncontrolled Airspace website. You can read the blog. You can view the forums. Check out the aviation's movies list, the new ratings, web page of fame, and more. All of that is at uncontrolledairspace.com. David, you were going to say something? Live longer through aviation because time
1: spent flying is not subtracted from your life's span.
0: That's right. And that's enough talking. Let's go flying.
1: TTFM.
0: Uh, <laughs> I was wondering what you were going to do, David. I don't know. I, uh, Anyways. All right. Um... What do we got here? Why Thirty-four.
2: You oh, was he going to do about what?
0: I left out the wiki reference. Oh, oh, yeah, you oh. did. I was all I was all primed to go wiki. wiki. Yeah, I know you were, and I think I, I, I were within days of getting mail. I'm telling you, I think I just, <laughs> I'm surprised it hasn't started yet. Although I'm not up to date, I'm not up to date in the forums. For all I know, there's some sort of you know nasty thread in the forums that uh, you know on the whole subject. <laughs> But, uh... yeah. <laughs> love it all right I love it.
1: so uh it we're within days of getting mail that sounds like the podcast equivalent of your father is going to deal with this when he gets home right. <laughs>
0: that's right all right wait, so wait. your father hears about this. just you wait all right, anything else before we uh